Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 101. It's now been one year, one week, and one day since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I'm sitting here on my podcast rock out in the beautiful beach on Ventura, California. It's a beautiful sunny day and I'm sending you all this virtual sun to those of you back east that might be hit still with the snowstorms and the winter cold. Right here, it is just beautiful and lovely to see the waves. This is also a very popular place for people to walk their dogs. So you might hear some people as I'm recording or the dogs or the seagulls or the sound of the waves. But I'm hoping that you will enjoy this virtual bonus episode. So after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to let go of today. And then just a couple of things. Suze and Sue from the UK both asked me to share with you my bulldog voice acting bit. So I'm going to do my best to edit that together. And also Cheryl sent us a very unique foolish fun as she introduces us to what she calls her insomniac character. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh and I'll let you know what I'm going to let go of today. But I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a silent Josh, it feels great to listen to you and think about letting something go for the first time in this second year of Compulsive Overeating Diary. Can you believe it? We are now into year two by more than a week. It's amazing to me. And before I let something go, I do want to thank all of you BCs for participating in our epic show 100. And if you're new to the show and you haven't listened to episode 100, our epic one year anniversary extravaganza, please go back and do that. It was so fun. We heard so many voices of people and got to know you better and it was just amazing. It really made me feel good and even though I would nitpick myself a little bit on some of the way that I edited myself in that show, specifically I wish I hadn't let you hear quite so much of my singing on the day I was in bad voice, but but overall I was very pleased with how that show turned out and all of my coaches and teachers who heard their parts and other parts of the show we're very pleased with it and happy to participate. And Fiona, again, kudos for that wonderful song. All right, now I have given enough thanks. Here's some kisses. What do I need to let go of today? Here as I'm sitting on the beautiful beach and looking at the world and seeing all the lovely parts in it. And I'll tell you what I need to let go of is letting the world, <laughs> the outside parts, beautiful or not so beautiful, impact me to such an extent that I change my own inner beliefs, behaviors, or goals or dreams, okay? Sometimes you have no choice in the world. Like if you're stuck in traffic in LA, you're just plain stuck in traffic and no good to shake your fist at it. 
I mean, either you've got GPS or an app that will tell you the best way to go to get out of that traffic, or you might as well sit there and listen to music or meditate or think of positive thoughts, because there's nothing you can do about it, right? So we shouldn't let that outside situation get to us. And I wrote a blog post yesterday called Fitting In, Being Mad at the Simpsons and Happy at the Kindness of Strangers, something like this. And it was all about my absolute rage that the Simpsons, which is a cartoon here in America that skewers everybody and everything, was actually skewering the idea that one could be proud of themselves even if they are fat or a bigger size. It really ticked me off. I was surprised at how angry that made me. But you know, it's never fun to be one of the group that's getting skewered. And I also think that that episode perpetuated some wrong-headed notions. Do I think that every one of us should aspire to be as heavy as physically possible? No, I'm not of that camp. Now, believe me, there are some people who believe that way. They really enjoy getting bigger and bigger, or the people who love them enjoy them getting bigger and bigger, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whether you're a naturally slender build or a naturally stocky build, whatever your circumstance is causing you to be your physical size at this moment, I don't believe that your physical size is a reason to feel ashamed of yourself. I don't think it's a reason for me to feel ashamed of myself. You know, I can wish all I want that I was born into a family that had a genetically slender build and that our eating habits were such as that we maintained an active lifestyle and ate small portions, whatever that might be that would go along with that. But as I've said before, when I look at the photos in my family, both sides of my family and not just my immediate family, but going back in time, you know, great grandparents, great, great grandparents, great aunts, great uncles, all of that, 90% of the females in my family are built like me. Nobody is slender. Nobody is, well, very few anyway, are naturally slender and not until modern times. And those that were slender in modern times are working like the devil to stay that way. They're having to watch what they eat like a hawk. They have to exercise a lot, and that's what they do. So is it impossible for someone in my genetic makeup to become smaller? No. I've proven that my own darn self. If you go look at my photos on Lori's weight story, you will see that I have been both much larger than I am today and much more slender than I am today. So I have proven it, that with enough focus and concentration, <laughs> I can change what my size is. Okay, but here's the deal. This Simpsons episode happened right after I had called the Pantages ticket office to see if anything could be done about the seat that Mark and I sit in because that seat is too uncomfortable for me and the way that I'm built. My rear end is just built too big for this seat. And it is especially aggravating to me because people that weigh more and are overall bigger than me can fit into the seat if they are built more like an apple and less like a pear. My weight settles itself right on my rear and in my thighs. So that means that I don't fit into seats even at a lesser weight than similar people if they're built differently. And these seats are very uncomfortable for me. 
And it was kind of embarrassing to have to call the ticket office to see if there was anything that could be done. Was there a different seat I could purchase or could I possibly get the seat next to me so at least I wouldn't feel like I was falling over into that person's seat? You know, what could I do? And I fully expected the person on the other end of the line to kind of, you know, give me the snooty look or maybe the, the box customer service line about, yes, well, too bad, we're a historical theater and that's the way it is, even though that really is kind of the case. It's a historical theater, the seats are historical, and obviously people who went to the theater historically had much smaller behinds than me and my family ever did, right? So the customer service person who I will call K says I don't have his permission to give his full name, but K was very kind, compassionate, considerate, said that he had heard this often and that in fact the theater was, you know, missing out on some customers because many people have the same issue. And he said, you know, I'm not gonna let it lay here. I'm gonna go to my supervisor and explore every avenue of what's available in this theater if anything might work to make it more comfortable for you and your husband. Now, Mark is perfectly happy with our seats because his main issue is claustrophobia. And our seats are third row back and he's on the aisle and no one's around him but me. So he's perfectly happy there. It's me who's not happy because I'm shoved between Mark and Stranger X, whoever that might be, with my poor stockier built legs kind of overflowing into their space. And that makes me feel uncomfortable physically uncomfortable and emotionally uncomfortable because some of the people and you know I understand where they're coming from are a little bit annoyed that their expensive theater seat is being encroached upon by my uh, rebel thigh you know who's sneaking into their territory this is not fun for me anyway back to Kay he did all that he could and told me all of my options and sent me the follow-up email as promised by the way, that's a business attribute I appreciate. Listen to that, corporate people. Now, I doubt you corporate bigwigs are listening to Compulsive Overeating Diary, but actual follow-through, polite customer service, that makes a big deal. <laughs> that's a difference. We love that. We hate phone trees. Anyway, back to my point. At the end of the email that Kay sent me, he said, P.S., remember that you are perfect in all caps, just the way you are. Kay did not want me to continue to feel badly about myself because their seats didn't fit me. Again, it's their seats don't fit me. So I can either choose to find a place that has better seats for me, like I believe the Omnison Theater might have some bigger seats than this. <laughs> At least I remember Mark and I going to shows there and not feeling quite so squished. Or we can suck it up, or we can follow through with some other options that we got to try to make it more comfortable. Or I can immediately start running like mad, go on a diet, try to lose 40 pounds before the next show. Well, that would be foolish. You guys have been listening to me for an entire year talking about why I'm giving up trying to change my size in order for my psychological good and for me to get to the root of what I'm feeling. So I have to be honest, I was tempted for a minute to think, oh my God, if I could just go on a diet for say six months, I for sure could lose 40 pounds and get into that damn seat and never have to worry about it again. 
but I would have to pay attention to every single thing I ate and exercise for an hour or more a day. I know that that's the case because that's what it took before and that's when I was younger, okay? So I'm gonna have to pay extreme attention to my eating and I'm gonna have to exercise a lot to change my dreaded rear end area to something small enough. Because the other thing is, I tend to lose weight. You know, we put on weight genetically in a certain manner, we store it in a certain area, and we take it off in a certain way. You don't get to pick. I don't get to say, hey, next 10 pounds, go off of my butt, will you? No, I don't get to pick. It comes off where it comes off. That's part of your genetics. You can build up muscle in certain areas. So if you get enough fat off, you know, you can build up or shrink certain areas depending on how you sculpt your muscle. But the body fat stores itself how it stores itself. That's just part of life. And mine, I'm just like a triangle. If I start to lose weight, you are immediately gonna see it on my face first. My selfies would start to become thinner face. You'd be going, wow, it looks like Lori's lost a ton of weight. No, comes off my face first. Then it comes off my chest area, something that I never really cared too much about, but it comes off of there, then off my waist. Finally, it comes off of kind of the triple threat of evil largeness of my genetic makeup, my tummy, my hips, and my thighs. And that is the very last place. So I think I would have to lose about 40 pounds before it even started to really come off of my triple threat area. That's how it's been in the past. I have to get skinny, skinny, skinny. In fact, the last time I went to Weight Watchers, the last two times I went to Weight Watchers and got down to goal, I just kept trying to get thinner and thinner and thinner, trying to take more off of my thighs, but my upper area absolutely became skeleton-like. You could see all my ribs, you could see my clavicle, my chest area was kind of like deflated balloons there. There was nothing, and still I had some plumpness around my thighs. Well, Laura, you're in Hollywood. Why not go to, you know, the plastic surgeon and get that sucked right out of those old saddlebags, you know, get yourself sculpted? Well, I always felt like I never, ever wanted to do any kind of surgery unless it was something that impacted my actual life, like the ability to be alive. And if you've gone that route, I certainly understand it and appreciate what might motivate you to do that. But for me, it was never worth it. I kind of wanted to be the best as I could with however I could manage it and leave the surgical procedures to more health-oriented things. And that was my take. So bottom line, I know I can get thin. In fact, even when I was still heavy at the end of Weight Watchers, my pants were a size six or eight and my dress was like a six. So I was in single digits and pretty small. I think I was even wearing an extra small t-shirt at that point. I was small and I was cold. <laughs> and I could have fit into that seat, darn. I sure wish I got my season tickets that time, those two years I was that weight, that I could have enjoyed the show perfectly well. But the interesting thing is I actually had this conversation before all of this happened with my therapist. And we were talking about 
do I really want to try to lose weight? Is that something I want to do at this point? Do I want to not? Do I still want to focus just on what's underneath my eating issues? How do I feel about my body? How do I feel about myself in context with my body? And here's this interesting question. If I, Lori, could magically wish and change the world so that every seat in every restaurant, in every airplane, in every theater, any seat that I might sit in would magically be big enough to fit me fine and for me to be comfortable, would I still wish to lose weight at this point? And my answer is no. What? Why not? You're still way bigger than the social norm. Why wouldn't you wish to be thinner and work at that? Well, because the truth to be told, my blood work's now really good. I feel healthy. I can ride my bike 25 miles and not even blink an eye. I can hike without sweating too much. I'm probably more active than people that are even slenderer than me at my age. I'm really pretty active. I've got great cardio fitness. You know, I'm living my life, doing all that I want to do. My weight is not an issue except for when I'm going to the Pantages and trying to sit in the chairs. You know, my people still give me the evil eye and look at me when I'm wearing my bathing suit through the lobby of hotels and able in order to go to the pool. Sure, people still have these prejudices, but they're going to have that just for my age too. Just being 55, almost 56, if I was wearing, you know, shorts, they might be saying, hey, cover that up, old lady. You know, you can't, you cannot control what people think about you. You can't. You really cannot control the outside world. You really don't have the power to wish stuff away. You know? Now, if my blood work had not improved, if I wasn't feeling healthy, if I wasn't doing well, then I might be motivated to try to take care of my size for those reasons. And to be honest, if I become even better at intuitive eating and my body decides it wants to drop 10, 20 pounds, I'm not gonna be sorry about that, no. Because the less weight that I'm hauling on the bike and the less weight I'm hauling up the mountain, the easier it is for me and the more energy I have. But if that never ever happens, I'm actually fine with my life, except for the chairs. And that's why what I'm letting go of today is letting the outside things motivate me. I don't need to be motivated by outside comments or chairs or things. I need to look inside and take all of this into account. How much does this really impact me? You know, in business, we have the ROI, the, the return on investment. Is the return of being able to sit in the Pantages chair or coach seat airplane <laughs> or any chair, is that return worth the investment of the amount of exercise and the focus I need to take away from relationships, away from my voice acting, away from my writing, away from this show? If I was trying to get thin, I would have to be focusing myself on that Primarily, That would have to be my number one goal because that's how much focus and effort that takes for me. At least at this point, that's what it does. And I have to say, for me, the answer is no. The answer is I don't get enough return on that investment of time and giving up the other things I might be pursuing with that energy. Now, you brave companions, if you ask yourself that question, the answer might be different. 
And I accept that. I embrace that. I say, good for you, those of you that are actively trying to change your body type. And some of you are actually, believe it or not, trying to bulk up, <laughs> trying to get more muscular, be a little less skinny. Eating disorders aren't all about people that are too big. I talk about that because that's my issue and that's how I experience my disorder and how I experience the world. It's from the perspective of feeling like I'm too big. There's a lot of you that might have that perspective who really aren't too big or are scared of being too big or want to have that control to make sure that you're not too big, but it all comes down to the same thing. We want to control how we are in our bodies so we fit, at least in our own minds, better into the world. And brave companions, I'm here to say, at least between you and me, you fit in my world today and forever, no matter what size you happen to be, no matter what size you happen to aspire to. So that's what I'm letting go of today. Next up, I wanted my daily statuses. And by the way, if you haven't gotten the message, I am posting almost every day, though don't worry if I don't, I skip some days, but almost every day I post my status on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. This does not come into your email inbox if you've signed up for it. It's just something I do every day. So bookmark compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and come check it out if you want to see my body balance numbers or if you want to see what's new with me. And these are separate from my blog posts. Blog posts are where I write more in depth about a topic that occurs to me like I did about the Pantages and fitting in and the Simpsons and so forth. But on one of my statuses, I mentioned that uh, I didn't do as well as I wished I had on character voice day and voice acting, which if you've been following the show, you know that character voices are kind of my waterloo. It's my big fear that I can't do voice as well. I do pretty good when it's my own voice that I'm acting in the spots. But character voices, I really, really worked hard on my monologue for character voice day. And dang it, a super, super voice actress did the same monologue right before I was going to go and she nailed it out of the park and she'd had a completely different take on that character voice than I was planning and I have to be honest I wasn't doing like I said in my letting go I wasn't focusing on me as an actor and what I was going to bring to the table I freaked all the heck out and thought I should be doing it more like this person did and I kind of like kind of screwed myself that way. I kind of got myself all nervous and lost my focus and didn't do as well. Now I did better than I originally did that monologue and it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't what I was hoping for. And then comes dialogue time. All right, there'd been some dialogues I'd practiced with my acting coach, David, and we got assigned one of those. But my scene partner was one of the auditors. And if you're in Southern California and you want to try out Mark Cashman's class, contact him because if there's space he'll let you come audit the class so that means you get to hear us do our monologue see what it's like and if there's room he puts you on the mic with one of the class members to do a dialogue so this was one of the auditors who was my partner and she said oh i can't do a high voice I'm like dang it because high voice is what i got naturally so high character voice is what i'm praying for right Instead, we got one where the character voice was a bulldog. Oh, my Lord. And for a bulldog, you kind of need to go down into your lower register. 
So that was really tough for me. And I wasn't at all happy, but I thought, well, go with the flow. I got to do what I can. And actually, this bulldog dialogue, I did well with this voice. Mark liked it. And now I would never probably ever be cast as a bulldog. But because I did not ask my scene partner for her permission to mention her name or to put her voice on, I had to edit myself from different takes. So I am going to be both the bulldog and the lady who is amazed by the talking bulldog. And so the comments that you hear from Mark, I also had to edit out anything he had to say about my partner. So hopefully this will still make sense to you and you will get to hear how I did this unexpected voice, went with the flow on character day. We're rolling on the local bank and this is take one. Oh, excuse me. Oh, wow, a talking dog. Where? Oh, you mean me. Yeah, it's a little weird, but you know what's really weird? What? Calling Iowa or Nevada for a mortgage when you're buying a house in Suffolk County. Why? Well, the local bank is right here. They have some of the most competitive rates in the country, and their service is top dog. Really? They'll meet you in person and make sure you get the right mortgage. At the local bank, you're not a number. You're a neighbor. And the process is so easy, even a cat could do it. Competitive rates and great service? Almost as crazy as a talking dog, right? Not quite. All right, you guys did a really, really good job with this. Now, in this particular case, I, the one thing I loved was when I saw Lori rehearsing, I, heard, I saw Lori in bulldog. Literally, she was like a bulldog. She was you know, like this, and she was walking like this. So she, her whole top, the whole top half of her body was in bulldog mode, and she was walking down the street like a bulldog, which was hysterical. But that's exactly what we need to do, because when we when we when we assume the the, the form. When we get physical, it comes out in our voice. And in this particular case, I love that gruffness that she had. And, and she added the gruffness, and it was almost a little bit staccato. The local bank is right here. They have some of the most competitive rates in the country, and their service is top dog. And the, the way she bit into that, no pun intended, was, was again, top dog. That was the joke. That's the whole thing. That's why they came up with it. That's They said, hey, our service is top dog. Let's do a dog. You know, they probably came up with that brilliant idea. But the bottom line is, she made that work. When she got to Top Dog, by the time she said Top Dog, you could hear, again, she was going to have that delivery. So, she, so Laura, you were really consistent uh, uh, with, that, with that dog there. And, um, and your timing was really good, both of you. You rehearsed well. You kept your lines really, really tight. So I did not flag anything in that because you did such a really consistent and nice job with that character voice. Okay, I wanted to wrap up this kind of bonus show today with a really unique foolish fun sent in by Cheryl. Now Cheryl is working on a new blog called Impromptu Promptlings, where she's signed up for an online blogging class that helps her write even more. And so she took that risk and it's really fun to read what she's writing every day. It's kind of like when Mark and I go to the writing class and we have to write stories from prompts. She has to write whatever. Well, one of her stories that she wrote was all about her own insomnia. And I said, I really relate to that too, because I also have this insomnia. And Cheryl took a really unique take on it. And she actually named 
her insomniac self, that part of her mind that keeps her up as Penelope. So here's Cheryl in foolish fun sharing about Penelope. <laughs> Lori presents <laughs> Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> Hi, Lori. It's Cheryl calling from Utah. I'm just calling to introduce you to Penelope today. She's the crazy woman living inside of me, sharing my body, making my life hell. When I want to lay quiet and drift off to sleep, she sings every song that comes to her mind, running the words and tunes through my head like a ticker tape across the bottom of a newscast. And if she gets bored with that, she replays the events of the day, rearranging them like words on some damn game board show. I should have done this. I should have said that. I wish I hadn't. And next time I will. To make matters worse, she fancies herself an expert life manager and ponders deeply how best to direct my family's lives, counsel my friends, and fix the world. And when she runs out of songs, scenarios, and suggestions, she lays there wide awake and watches the clock, listening for house noises that might actually be something else, something far more sinister, her imagination ignited now by far too many TV mysteries. I don't want her to go away, not really. I just want her to get her days and nights turned around so she's singing happily through the day and channeling her vivid imagination and problem-solving prowess into something constructive when I could use it most. I want her to go to bed at the same time as me, to close her eyes without a fuss, and give that busy mind of hers a rest. We'd all get along so much better on eight full hours of sleep. It's exhausting living with a crazy night owl in your head. How about you? Do you have a crazy night owl living in your head? <laughs> See ya. And if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly eye. Cheryl, that was so fun. I thought about that, and if I was going to name my insomniac torture self, I think I would name her Agatha Mecknut. Agatha, kind of for the agony she puts me through, and the Mecknut, because it makes me absolutely magnetic to be kept awake all night long. I hate it. But you know, I've been hearing more and more from brave companions and people in my regular life that a lot of us are having these insomniac issues as we get a little bit as we say, grow into our years. So maybe it will help you, brave companions, if you're stuck wide awake in the middle of the night and can't do anything else, to call the Foolish Fun Line, which is the same thing as the Bravery Hotline, and tell me about your insomnia experience. I think that would be fun. Well, it's not fun, but at least it will give you something to do until you get sleepy again. So, brave companions, it's time for me to hop on my bike, get ready to pack up for home. So. I'm going to wrap it up here from the beach in Ventura. Mark and I have had a great time. And until my next show, 
which I'll probably come to you from a mountain or a park or who knows where. Take care, brave companions, because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Just inside my skin